Tuesday night Bible study at uh, Western Virginia Regional Jail. And everybody that was on the list was there, every one of them. So checked everybody off and uh, got, a, got a pretty good group. We, we've got one guy who uh, the last couple times that I've been there, he's uh, led prayer, starting out the Bible study, really good at praying, and very sharp, very sharp dude. Very young, I'd say he's probably in his late 20s, and he is very knowledgeable of the Word, and you know how I, I will ask questions from time to time, or I'll bring up a couple different things, and, and do you do you see the deeper meaning of this? But when I start testing them and asking questions, he's usually the one that figures it out. So uh, that was a good one last night. So we're here on a Wednesday, and we are uh, going to be in the book of Joshua, and it is November 15th, 2023. And last week we covered the first nine verses and tonight we'll finish up chapter 1, but we're going to also talk a little bit more about Joshua, the person. And, you know, Joshua, all of a sudden, is the person who is leading. He has been a servant and a follower for many, many years, and you haven't heard a whole lot about him, but now... It seems like it's all about him, and he has, he's got this huge burden of responsibility that has been placed on him all of a sudden, and is he ready? And I think he's ready because of all the stuff that he's been put through in the past. He has been a warrior. He has been Moses' warrior, and Moses has picked him out. Of all the people he could have picked, he has picked him out for certain things that we can look back on and uh, see how Joshua was being prepared for this time. So uh, let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we have to come together and study your word. And Father, we thank you for this book of Joshua and... Father, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to see the meaning of Joshua, what we need to get out of it, how we can use it to be better Christian soldiers today. Father, just look over those who uh, have been sick and um, just help them recover. And Father, we just want to continue to lift up the nation of Israel we are praying for them and all those people who have lost uh, so many in that nation. And Father, it seems like the whole world is against them. Father, we want to just stand with them and pray for them. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, Joshua, think about being a Christian soldier. He was a soldier. And in 2 Timothy, Paul is instructing Timothy, and he says in 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4, he says, Thou, 
Therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And we see where Moses has chosen Joshua to be a warrior for him. And Joshua uh, took it seriously, and he did all the things he needed to do to, to please Moses because Moses had the confidence in him, and he turned out to be an excellent soldier. So when we see in 2 Timothy, this is talking about uh, Paul uh, encouraging Timothy, somebody younger that he's bringing up, but we also need to understand that it's also saying to each and every one of us that we are to be soldiers and that Jesus has called us to go out and do the things that he wanted done. And he, he could have stayed here and done it all himself and done a great job. But he left so the Holy Spirit can come down and indwell us so that we would go out and be his hands, his feet, his mouth, to be able to speak. And we also need to understand that we need to understand what part of the body we are individually. Think about uh, a group of Christians in a church. There's different gifts for, for, for different people. And... We need to figure out what our gifts are and concentrate on those gifts and be what we're supposed to be in the body. Now, for, for your body to work, all the different parts of your body need to be doing what they're supposed to do. Suppose your pancreas is just down there worried to death about the lungs. I sure hope that they breathe. I hope that they do what they're supposed to do. Do you think that's happening in your body? The pancreas doesn't care. It's going to do what it's supposed to do and not be too concerned about what another part of the body is doing. Just concentrate. If we could all concentrate more on what our gifts are, we would, be, we would, we would function a lot better. And sometimes, you know, we have a small body. We've got a lot of parts that maybe... Uh, need to be reattached. So it can be tough in a small church. So we have to take on more than one part. And that's not the best way, but sometimes this is what you got to do. And pray more to bring in the other parts of the body. Uh, Joshua, he was, he was born into the tribe of Ephraim. And Ephraim was a very special tribe, a very strong tribe. Uh, Judah would, I'd say, be number one. Ephraim would be a second. And, of course, Ephraim is one of Joseph's sons. Manasseh and Ephraim were the two sons of Joseph. Manasseh was the older one. So he would be better, right? He'd be better, more people, more powerful. Nope. Ephraim, the second born. He will rule over. He will be more than his older brother. We see that throughout Scripture. That's just one of the examples. We see uh, Esau being actually born first, but Jacob supplants him. Jacob ends up being number one, even though he's second born. 
Uh, so the first man, Adam, failed. But the second man, Jesus Christ, fixed everything. So it's the second man. <clears throat> so Ephraim. In Numbers 13, is with the famous story, we've talked about it, because we've, we've, you know, we've already gone all the way through Deuteronomy. So we have uh, mentioned, talked about Joshua and what he had done. So way back in Numbers 13, that is when Moses had picked out 12 men, one from each tribe, to go into the Promised Land. And I think that was two years into their journey. How many years were they in the wilderness? Forty years. So what should have been or what could have been an 11-day trip, they took 40 years to accomplish. 11 days, and they turned it into 40 years. So two years into it, God had already told them about everything that was in the promised land. But they doubted God. Wonder, wonder if he's exaggerating. What if he's just embellishing? We need to send people in there to find out if this is real. So Moses picks the 12 people. He sends them in. Now, Caleb and Joshua are the two that came back with a positive report. But see, the other 10, they, they, when they all go in, the 10 came back and said, you know what, it's exactly like God said it was. The food, the land, I mean, it is absolutely amazing. But, but, there are nations there way bigger than us. There are walled cities, the walls go up to heaven, and there's giants in the land, and we can't do it. Boo-hoo. We can't do it. And Joshua and Caleb's like, yes, we can. We can do it because God's going to be with us. He's already promised the land to us. All we got to do is go in and take it, and he'll give us the victory. But 10 beats 2, and they're going to go back to wandering in the desert, in the wilderness, for another 38 years. You know, having, having a uh, positive attitude means so much. Knowing, you, you, you can look at our, I like the, uh, the Navy SEALs, reading about it. I would, never, I would have never been able to be a Navy SEAL. But I really like the philosophy behind how they train and prepare themselves mentally. And when they go into an impossible situation, they all believe they can win. They never doubt themselves. They've been trained so well. And they believe in themselves. And they believe in their, their comrades so much that they always think they can win. And they win in situations where if they would have any doubt at all, they would have been eliminated very quickly. But because they believe they can do it, they do it. And we should be that way as Christians. We should, we should have more confidence than anybody else because of the God that we serve. And he said he would be with us and he would help us. 
And he said, don't be dismayed. He said, have courage. There's no reason not to. So we have that to look back on to see uh, something about Joshua. And then there was uh, in Exodus 17 back when uh, Joshua versus Amalek. And Amalek was a, uh, I think he was a grandson of Esau. So Jacob and Esau. So not only does the nation of Israel have um, enemies from Ishmael and even enemies from bad decisions by Lot, uh, we, there's just so many people that are enemies of Israel and they come from different, and Esau is one of them. You have Jacob and then Esau. And so the, so the Edomites are, were, were enemies to, to Israel. So Joshua is picked by Moses to go down into the battle. And Moses said, you're going down to fight. I'm going up on the hill to pray, basically. So that's that famous story that we all know where Moses, Aaron, and Hur go up to the top of the hill and Moses lifts up his hand. He's, he's holding his hands up. And whenever his hands are raised up, they're getting victory, right? Joshua is really doing good down there. But when Moses' hands fall, then the Amalekites start to win. So that's when Aaron is on one side of Moses and hers on the other, and they pick up his arms and hold his arms up for the rest of the battle until Israel has complete victory. So there's another story of Joshua. So... Um, why didn't Moses have, did, did Moses have sons? Zipporah, was there his, na- his wife's name Zipporah, right? Huh? Gershom, Gershom or Gershom. Uh, and then there was another son. So Gershom was the firstborn son. And then the other one, it's, it's a name that, it's, it's several different examples of the same name. Eli, he's, he, I, I, I like to say Eliezer, but Eliezer is what, how most people pronounce it. But it's, it's E-L-I and then E-Z-E-R, and I, I just see the Eli and then Ezer. And that's the way I ended up, end up saying it, but Eliezer is how most people say it. So we know that Abraham, way back with Abraham, he had a servant who was basically going to be his heir because he had no children. And, and he even said to God, this, this let him be my heir. And, and God said, no, no, that's not going to be. And then, of course, Ishmael came along later. No, no, that's not going to be. Finally, Isaac shows up. Well, uh, so anyway, Moses has two sons that we know of. Why aren't they in this position that Joshua's doing? Why, why not? But I'm pretty sure the second son ended up being a priest for the Danites who had put up altars to idols. <clears throat> so, you know, any leader in the church, any pastor who has children that do things that are 
that are contrary to what you would expect a child of God to do. Uh, if you, you have children who rebel against the Christian faith, you feel like you've failed, and maybe you shouldn't be in, the, in leadership. But then you can look at David, you can look at Moses, some of the greatest people in the Bible had children that were absolutely horrible. Hmm? Eli, yeah. Yeah, both of his two sons were a mess. So, it's, I don't know, it's just tough. It's a tough situation. But, just because you are family, blood, relative, doesn't mean you're the one God is going to use just because... Papa Moses was so great. It, so it's more, it's not the natural born son, but it's the spiritual son. Joshua was always there with Moses. His two sons, Moses' sons, were not always there. They were off doing their own thing, but Joshua ended up being more like a spiritual son, and that's the way we need to be. We don't like... Go, go back and look at the uh, monarchies throughout history. And this person is the new king because he's the son of this king. And it didn't matter if he was one year old. He's the king. Is he qualified? No. He just happens to be the son of the king. So now he's the king. Made no sense whatsoever. <clears throat> so... Now that Joshua has been the one picked to take the children into the promised land, he is dealing with people who would, some of them think it would be a good idea to go back to where they came from. What are, what are, what's the ratio now? We knew at one point, 38 years back, it was 10 to 2. Ten, we can't do it. Two, absolutely we can do it. And of those two, it's Joshua. <laughs> He's the one leading them. And Caleb is still around, and they're the only two left. Everybody else has died off. So what's it like now going into the promised land? What kind of uh, attitudes is he dealing with? So we, we need to think about that. But just remember that Egypt represents giving up on... on Egypt is something you can see with your human eyes, and, and Egypt represents the world. And I would keep saying that over and over again. Now that we're into Joshua, you really need to see that every place that they go to represents something. It's a story being told, and we need to start to pick out what this particular city represents, because Jericho is going to represent the world as well. Once they get to Jericho, uh, Rahab is going to, she's going to represent something to us more on a personal level, and we'll get into that next week. I love that story. We'll spend next week in, in chapter 2, hopefully if everything goes good, and uh, that is, you learn a lot out of chapter 2. So Egypt represents the world with all of its pollution, perversions, 
power and pleasures, but there's, it's this new land they're supposed to go into, and it's a lot of unseen. But that's where we, they can, they can uh, operate in faith of, of going into a new land that they haven't seen before. Joshua and Caleb are the only ones that have seen it. None of the people that are about to go in can see it. So they've got to walk through and go into that land by faith, or they could turn around and go back to something that they uh, know is more real. So going into this new land. All right, I'm going to read a little bit out of this, uh, this book here. It's called uh, Joshua. This little heading right here is called Joshua's Bible. When we were reading last week, uh, in, uh, in verse 8, it says, last week, at the end of, 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 of uh, when we were reading last week, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So it's about the scriptures that they had at that point. It was critical to them. We need to have a more, understand the value, understand how important the Holy Scriptures are. We need to believe that we have the Holy Scriptures and that as we read it, not just read and study, but meditate. And that word meditate, I was watching a, a little deer today uh, laying down, and, and he was basically regurgitating what he had eaten earlier. It was like 15 yards away from me. I wasn't hunting. I was actually working. I was up at our, the other house, and I was getting ready to get some leaves up, and this, there's three deer that just hang out right beside the house up there, and they're laying there, and I'm watching it, and he's regurgitating, basically, you know, chewing the cud. Meditate, that, that word meditate, when um, you apply it to when the Word of God says meditate on the Word. Now, we have a worldly definition of meditate, and, and you say meditate nowadays, you think of some woman with her legs crossed a certain way, and she's doing yoga, and she's meditating. Now, I'm not, that's not the type of meditating I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about eating the Word of God, chewing on it, swallowing it, then regurgitating it back up and chew on it a little bit more like a cow would do or that deer would do that I saw today. That's how we're supposed to treat the Word of God. Meditate on it. So in this, in this uh, John Phillips uh, exploring people of the Old Testament. This is just a portion of uh, the story of Joshua. It says, When the mantle of Moses fell on Joshua, suddenly the full weight of responsibility was his. What should he do? Where could he turn? The older generation was gone. Those who had pioneered this great movement of God. Notice, this is a great movement of God. Everybody who started it, they're all dead. Moses, Aaron, Miriam, Phineas, all were gone. Only Joshua and Caleb remained. The movement could not stand still. 
Then in parentheses it says, movements that no longer move become monuments. The next step was to cross the Jordan. Joshua must have wondered, how am I supposed to move, this is where we were talking earlier before this started being recorded, uh, how, how am I supposed to move three million people to the other side of this river? How can I persuade so many to begin a new life of victory in the promised land? Then he's thinking back to Moses. He's like, Moses sent 12 spies, but only Caleb and myself appreciated what God was offering us. Joshua turned to the Word of God for answers, and then uh, it's, it's got this verse that I just read, verse 8. Suddenly Joshua realized that he did not need Moses. He had what Moses had. He had God's Word to guide him. With God's Word in his hand and its truths in his heart, no situation could conquer him. No matter what happened, he would never need to be in doubt about what he should do. He must search the Scriptures. He must be governed by them. Joshua had a lamp for his feet and a light on his path. His own courage and wisdom would be inadequate for the struggles, situations, and strongholds he must face. He had the Bible, or you know, a portion of what we have. We have way more than what they had back then, but that, to them, that was their Bible of the day. And uh, so we have even more. We should so steep our souls in Scripture that we instinctively know what God has to say concerning the matter at hand. God does not leave us to our own resources. He gives us His knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. We have what Peter calls a more sure word of prophecy, one to which we do well to take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. 2 Peter 1.19 <clears throat> So, verse, uh, verse 9 says, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals. So this is just their daily uh, necessities, water, food, uh, for within three days. Three days. Hmm. Ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. You know, back when they were in Egypt, uh, they kept asking, uh, hey, can we, go, can we go journey three days and pray to God? It's always three days. Why? Why three days? I think it signifies death, burial, and resurrection. Three days. And, uh, this is 12, and to the Reubenites and to the Gadites, and to half the tribe of Manasseh, spake Joshua, saying, 
Remember the word which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan, but ye shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor and help them. Now, so this situation here is uh, a while back when, see, they had conquered all the people on the east side. So the, the people of Reuben, the tribe of Reuben, and of, was it Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they really liked all that area. It was beautiful, pastures everywhere. They had a whole lot of cattle, and they said, this suits us. And, of course, Moses was pretty upset. And then he's like, well, this land is already conquered. You have rest and peace here. Now, the rest of us have to go through the Jordan. Well, Moses wasn't going to go, but, you know, the rest of the nation of Israel has to go through the Jordan and go into this land, and they got battles. They got to fight for everything that they're going to get. And then... Of course, Reuben and Gad and all them, you know, those, those tribes, they said, oh, no, no, no. No, we understand that. We're not trying to get out of fighting. We're going to send our men over. All of our soldiers will go with you, and we're very willing to go over with you and fight those battles with, with all of the other tribes. And then when you have subdued the land and everything is good and you have rest and peace there, then we'll go back to our land on the other side. Please, please. And Moses is like, all right, since you put it that way, yeah, we can do that. So they're just being reminded here. Remember what you said a long time ago, that you would send uh, your fighting men over, conquer this land? Don't forget about that. Uh, 15, until the Lord have given your brethren rest as he hath given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them, then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side, Jordan, toward the sun rising. You know, that could be changed to the east, but it says sun rising. So I think we should leave it sun rising because that's what the King James Bible says. So we know, hopefully, you know that the sun comes up in the east. Hopefully. It, when, when, uh, when my wife asked me, well, where is that compared to where you are right now? And I, 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 I love to go just to the south of that or just to the east because I know she has no idea. <laughs> and it just makes for a fun little argument, you know, just for a few seconds. You know, I was talking, last night I was talking to uh, the guys at the jail and we were talking about uh, where, uh, what, what we what we did this past Sunday, and it was, you know, Sarai, or Sarah, who came up with the idea of using Hagar, and then after it kind of fell apart, she went to Abraham and said, it's your fault, and so I was telling the guys about it, I said, I could hear the argument now, you know, Sarah blaming, blaming Abraham for what, all the things that went wrong, and him going, but it was your idea. And then her saying, yeah, but you actually went through with it. And you think you are the man of God. 
or you're supposed to be the man of God. And, and then I said something uh, like, does it sound like I have experience arguing with my wife? <laughs> and they all laughed, like, yeah, sounds like you do. So, Moses, and I can't remember why I even went there. What was I talking about before I went to that little story? Well, anyway, it'll come back to me. So, oh, East, West, and all that, causing an argument. So I like to do that. I like to say to the East or to the West, whatever. Uh, some people don't know directions. They just don't get it. <laughs> and now we have, you know, these phones that we just plug in the, uh, put in the address, and then it just tells us where to go. I mean, if that gets wiped out, if something happens or we don't have that technology and you want to go somewhere, there's a, so many people who have no idea how to find anything. They've never had to figure it out on their own. But I, when, I was, when I was younger, I had a way better sense of direction. And I can just tell. I don't know why or how, but I could just tell what was what, knew where to go. And anyway, all right, so let's go, all right, the sun rising, verse 16. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. All right, so go back to what he told the officers. He said, Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people. He didn't, they didn't have suggestions. These were, and, and it wasn't up for counsel. Let's have a council meeting and go over what the best ideas are. You know, there's times for that. But then there's God's word says, or God has said this to us, there is no debating over it and trying to come up with the best way to do things because God said. So this is a situation where uh, Joshua didn't say, uh, go through the camp and suggest this or, or encourage. It's command because God has said. Now notice how the response is in 16. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. They were showing uh, faith in their leader. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. You know, we're supposed to trust and obey. We should have this attitude about the Word of God and what it's telling us to do. 17, according as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. They have accepted Joshua as their new leader. Very important. As he was with Moses. So, oh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Under thee, only the Lord thy God be with thee. So that's what they're saying. They're, 
we're going to go do whatever you going to you want us to do. We're going to listen to you. We're going to follow your instructions. And then he said, then they said, only the Lord thy God be with thee. So they're they're praying that God would always be with them. And if God was with him, then why would they want to do anything else other than follow their leader? As he was with Moses. So they're, they're just saying that we know God was with Moses and we're praying that he will be with you. 18. Whosoever he be that doeth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. And that is the end of chapter 1. Very serious, isn't it? If you uh, rebel against the commandment of God, if you will not hearken unto the words that Joshua is going to be telling you. You know, this is really, really important that you, you know, that, that, this, that these people trusted Joshua because, you know what, it's not going to be too long from now, you know, as we get into Joshua a little bit deeper, Joshua's going to have some really crazy instructions that make no sense to the human mind. And they are going to follow him and do what he has said because of what they said right here in in chapter 1. Even though there were many people in the military uh, higher ranks that probably had way better human ideas to take Jericho, are they going to do what makes sense to them to have victory over these great walls of Jericho? Or are they going to listen to what Joshua is telling them? Because what Joshua tells them is pretty ridiculous. But it worked, because that's what God told him to do. And when the world looks at what the Bible says, there's a lot of things in the Bible that people in the world say, nah, that's just crazy. You expect me to believe that? It's the Bible. God wrote it. We should believe it and not rebel against it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your word. Father, I pray that as we go through this journey, this, uh, this movement that must continue on through the Jordan and into the promised land, that we will follow along and that we will be following your ways, that we will learn from the victories and the failures, that we will learn to remember all the victories that we're going to see, but, but learn from the mistakes that were made so that we don't have to repeat them. Father, I pray that by going through your word that we will be a, a stronger body here in this community better able to walk this Christian walk that we are supposed to be doing and to be a, uh, a light in this dark place. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.